It's wonderful to be back again today on Search the Scriptures to be able to open up the Bible and, boy, study from those rich teachings that God has communicated to us in His Word. What a blessing we have to be able to open up the Bible on such a ready basis, study from it, and learn what God wants us to do with our lives. And it's not just the idea that God is is trying to control us and govern us, but He's giving us through his word, the best way for human beings to live with the richest promises and blessings. And oh, we need to read those words and understand them and make the right applications to our lives. What a privilege to be able to study today on Search the Scriptures with Dwayne Kennedy. Thank you, Gary. It's good for me to be on the program. I love this uh, program and this opportunity to study God's Word and to share it with our listeners and to be with you and with Dennis Stackhouse. Thank you, Duane and Gary. It's certainly my privilege to be with you both on the program today as well. And we certainly hope that those who are listening to us today will be able, through these efforts we're putting forth, to come to a greater understanding of God and to find their place in the system that He's created for us the salvation that he's made available for all of us, the opportunity to participate in those wonderful promises that you spoke about just a moment ago, Gary. Amen. Amen. And you know, Dennis and Duane, we're studying right now about some of those promises. Yes. Yes, we are. In this particular uh, series of study, we are looking at the blessings that are promised to us in Christ. Now, one particular condition that we've noted in this particular text is that these promises are not promised to everybody. No, they're not. They're promised to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Yes, they are. Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 1. Now, then we've noted when you start reading with verse 3 where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ. When you read on down through verse 14, you note that over and over again, these blessings that he begins enumerating now with verse 4, continually he conditions them again as pertaining to those who are in Christ, not to all humanity, but to those who are in Christ. Verse 4, he chose us in him. And then also in in verse 7, in him we have redemption. Verse 9, the end of the verse, which he purposed in himself. The end of verse 10, in him again. In verse 11, the beginning, in him. In verse 13, in him over and over and over again, Paul emphasizes that these blessings are for those, and I think we're supposed to understand, especially from that repeated emphasis, only to those who are in Christ. That's right. Now, if we wanted to just kind of identify those who are in Christ with a one-word answer, who are we talking about? Christians. Christians. Right. And it's not those who have just uh, pasted a label on their head. I'm a Christian. It's those who live 
the definition of a Christian as we find it in the Bible. Again, as we go back to verse 1, those who are faithful That's right. in Christ. Now, faithful is a whole lot different than having faith in Christ. That's right. The devils in hell have faith in Christ in that they believe in him. Mm -hmm. James chapter 2 tells us that. They're still the, the demons. They're still in hell. Mm -hmm. Faithful means I live faithfully. I live by that faith. You know, Gary, I like the emphasis you put on this, uh, the repeated times that Paul speaks about in Christ or a phrase that's equivalent to that. And I believe if we took the time to go through all of Paul's letters, we might come to find that that's one of his very favorite phrases. In him. Not just here that's in Ephesians right. chapter 1. And certainly, as you've said, he yes. does emphasize that very heavily. But I think we find it throughout his writings. So I think you're, yes. Very, very important concept. Yeah, we probably will be, would be surprised at how many times, as you said. I think so. Over and over and over again, either in Christ or in him, mm -hmm. uh, some, some equivalent phrase. Right. Yes, yes. Now, when we started to look at these, these blessings one by one in our last program, we, we got through the first couple in verse 4. And one of those was, the first one is, just as he chose us in him. Now, so being chosen by God, and we went into some depth and detail there, and we came to understand that how God chooses someone to be saved is that he chooses the plan of salvation. Right. That's correct. And anyone who then makes their choice to obey the plan of salvation is one of the chosen ones of God. But God does not choose some people to be saved and some people to be lost individually. He chooses the plan by which we'll be saved. Mm -hmm. That's important for us to understand. Now, the next one also in verse four is that, he may, that, that we can be made holy and without blame. Now, that's the idea of forgiveness, isn't it? Right, it is. Forgiveness. And that forgiveness, again, is only in Christ. And when we become forgiven through the blood of Christ, then we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, and also in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, we're supposed to become changed people mm -hmm. because we're forgiven. Right. We're different. Now, let's go back to verse 4 again and pick up the third of these blessings that are promised to those who are the faithful in Christ. And this third one is that God's love has been extended to us. That's right. God's love, going back to verse 4 again, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God's love has been extended to us, and we could say that his love has been extended to us in a realized fashion because we accepted his love That's right. mm -hmm. in obedience. Mm -hmm. In John chapter, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16, how about reading that for us, Dwayne? And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. All right, so God is love, and he who abides in God abides in him. That's right. 
God abides in him and, and he abides in God. So God is love. All right. Now, God has demonstrated his love toward us. If we look there again in 1 John chapter 4 and we look at, at verse 10, what does that say, Dennis? In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So he loved us first. Yes, and verse 19 of that first chapter emphasizes that again, Gary. He, we love him because he first loved us. Right. So God's love was extended toward us. Now what about that very familiar passage of scripture in John chapter 3 and verse 16, Dwayne? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then a more detailed text that really gets this same point across is in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Dennis, how about reading that for us? For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that was evidence of God's love for us. Yes. Yeah, in essence, Paul is telling us there, Gary and Duane, that we were God's enemies. Yes. We were living against him, and yet... Because of our sin. Because of our sin, even in that state, God's love was so great, he sent his son to die in our place. Yes. yes. It would be hard to imagine a more graphic illustration of someone's love for someone else than sending their own son to die for that person. Boy, that's right. That's powerful. It really is. And Paul says that's exactly what God did for us, sent his son to die for us. So we're chosen by God. We are given forgiveness. We, are, we have God's love extended to us in a realized fashion in that we have responded to it in obedience in coming into Christ through baptism, Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, Galatians 3 and verse 27, all of these are blessings for the faithful in Christ, and they're all talked about in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Now, what about verse 5? We find another one there. Notice again, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Adoption as sons. God adopted those and continues to adopt those who become faithful Christians. Now that's an incredible concept again. Yes, it is. One that we understand. We understand that concept of adoption. Yes. Now let's go to Galatians chapter four, Galatians chapter four, and how about reading there verses uh, four through seven. But when the fullness of the time has come, God's, or had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, 
that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Dwayne, how can you adopt somebody who is already your child? You can only do it in a way that they are not your child. You, that you, is. Okay, so if they're your child already, then you cannot adopt them as your child. Is that, is that a fair understanding? Yes, it is. Now, what it's saying here, though, is that God, and, and Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and once again, notice, notice what he says there, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And he does, he, we receive that adoption through Christ. Right. If we were already his sons, we could not be adopted as his sons. Right. Okay. Now, I'm laboring the point here because our, our listeners and all of us need to understand that until we come into Christ, we're not sons of God. No. That's right. There's this general understanding that we are sons and daughters of God and, and maybe through the creation in that sense. And that would be the loosest sense yeah. of the word. And, that, mm -hmm. and that's what I meant by we have to be adopted in ways that we are not. We are not sons of God by reason of the fact that we are created. Yes. We're talking about becoming a part of God's family, his children, by spiritual blessings in Christ. Absolutely. And this is very important for us to understand. We are adopted into his family when we become Christians. We're not in his family, in his spiritual family, until we become Christians. Now, again, I know that that is like a bucket of water and cold water in somebody's face for a lot of people. But that's what Scripture says. Right. We do not, see, we're not, and as Dennis pointed, pointed out earlier, we could look at different passages of Scripture that say exactly this. Before we come into Christ, we're sinners, and that makes us enemies of God. Enemies. That's right. When we come into Christ, we've already seen that's where forgiveness is, back in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 1. And then God adopts us into his family adopts us into his family. You know, and it, it may be a little helpful here, Gary, if we go back to that passage in Galatians chapter 4. Paul is saying that God sent forth his son, talking, of course, about Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law. And he's talking about the law of Moses. Right. And then in verse 5, the purpose of that was to redeem those who were under the law. So, the people who were living according to the law of Moses still were not sons. No. Yes, yes. That's God correct. sent forth his son in order to adopt those people who had been living under the law of Moses. And believed in God. And believed in God and believed in Christ so that they could be adopted as sons. And then, of course, Paul goes on in verse 6 and says, because you are sons... 
And I think we can refer back to Galatians 3.27 there. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Right. Exactly. These Galatians to whom Paul was writing had already done that. And in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, Paul says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Yes. Now, how are we led by the Spirit of God? Through His Word. That's Through right. His Word, exactly. The understanding there, I believe we're to, to, to gain from that is, those who learn His Word and live by it, who obey it, these are the sons of God. That's right. See, again, so a, a very important distinction and identity that's, that's put forth to us in these texts as to who the true family of God is, mm-hmm. as to who are the true sons and daughters of God, the faithful in mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. Once again, what are we studying in, in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14? We're studying about those spiritual blessings in Christ, right. and this is one of them. We're adopted by God into his family. Amen. What a great blessing that is. What an encouragement, I'm telling you. Now, let's go to verse 6 in Ephesians chapter 1, and let's pick up another one here. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, that's another one of those phrases equivalent to in Christ, in the beloved. Mm-hmm. That, that refers to in Christ. Made us accepted, accepted. Once again, when we think about an individual who's living in sin, unforgiven, that's a person who's living outside of acceptance by God because sin and God do not go together. Mm-hmm. That's right. Sin separates us from God, Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2. Yes, So we can read that particular concept a number of times in Scripture. So not something we're making up, pulling out of the air here. But when we come in Christ, that puts us into a state of acceptance by God. He has accepted us. And, of course, that acceptance is through Christ. Dwayne, how about reading Acts chapter 10 and verse 35? But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Now, those, read that again. In every nation, those who what? Whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. So again, that's simply identifying in some fairly descriptive wording those who are faithful. That's right, the characteristics of those who are faithful to him. Yes, yes, and that's what we're seeing back here in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, the faithful in Christ. And those who are faithful to him are the accepted. Those are the ones who submit to God's teachings, live by his word. Gary, I might add at this point, since it's in the verse right above the one that we just read, we were talking about it earlier, how God is not a respecter of persons. And here the word of God speaks specifically to that. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Again, as these blessings are extended to everyone who would be faithful in Christ, and follow his word, we know that God is 
God is willing to accept them. Yes. But these are wonderful blessings that we're looking at, aren't they? Really are. They should be thrilling to our souls, literally. Now, let's go back and look at one more here, and we'll not be able to, to finish this one, but we're going to introduce it, and then we'll come back to it next time. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, the next one of these blessings, and this is incidentally blessing number 6 in this long list. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, we've, we've talked about the forgiveness of sins already in, in a previous verse, back up in verse uh, uh, 4, uh, made holy and without blame. But notice this, this word redemption and this idea here. We have redemption through his blood. What does it mean to redeem something? Literally, we're talking about buying something or someone back. Yes. That is a literal definition and mm -hmm. understanding of the term of redemption or redeeming. Right. How are we redeemed there, does it say? Through his blood? We right. have redemption through his blood. Through his blood. Mm -hmm. When Christ died on the cross and allowed his blood to be shed thereon, that was the price for our redemption, for our being bought back by Christ for God. Mm -hmm. Now, another way that this is put in Scripture is that was the price for our being reconciled to God, mm -hmm. brought back into a right relationship with our Creator mm -hmm. and Heavenly Father, the blood of Christ, the price of our redemption. We're going to come back and continue on this particular blessing next time, but I wanted to introduce that out there, and again, another thrilling blessing. We want to encourage our listeners to continue to study with us in these matters, and also contact us for that free Bible study and you can study into these things in more detail on your own. The study is free.